0: From Luke, uh, chapter twenty-three. It's on page one thousand and twenty-four. Going to be reading from chapter twenty-three, but under the oh, it's on the next page, one thousand twenty-five. The it's headed the crucifixion, and we're starting at verse thirty-two. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us.
1: <clears throat> well, today we are going to try to get a little closer to understanding the heart of God. We have over the last couple of weeks, we have uh, indeed looked into the great commission that Jesus gave us, and then last week we looked at the cross of Christ and what that means to us. And I think probably out of that, it is also timely then to read Romans eleven thirty-three to establish just how incredible God is. As Paul writes, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how unfathomable is his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counsellor? Let us pray and sincerely seek a greater comprehension of the heart of God today. Let us pray. Our loving Father, we do come to you that you may open our hearts wide, the heart that you placed your Holy Spirit in, that he may guide us and reveal this deep truth to us, that we will reflect it, that we will indeed understand it, and that we will respond to it. We pray this in the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today's main text, the one verse we're going to be focusing a little bit on, is where Jesus prays on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, those are the words of a dying man. In the most severe pain and suffering inflicted on him, by those that he is now interceding in prayer for. There's always something telling about the last words uttered by a dying person. And theologians over the years have spent a lot of time and thought and energy uh, on what they termed the seven last words of the Lord. But before we delve into some of these last words... Let me just to make sure that we all understand that those are obviously not. They are not the last words of Jesus. For that to be so, if they were to be his last words, then you and I would have to disregard the resurrection. And for that reason alone, we would have to be maybe calling them his dying words because that's what they were. We furthermore also should be aware of the fact and be sure that we understand that the words of Jesus recording at the end of the gospel, after his resurrection, are also not his last words. Jesus is going to return. He will come back and he will have much more to say to you on that wonderful day when he arrives and takes us home. Much more to be said. As we today wander and ponder the heart of God, let us return to the dying words of Jesus on that cross. But before we do, have you ever wondered what your last words will be on your deathbed? Of course, it's impossible to tell. You have no idea. You can, you can think of things that you would like to say, but you really don't know. But I would like to I would like to think I would be as clear-minded as what Jesus is hanging on the cross and be able to say something that is both meaningful but also somewhat helpful to those that are hearing them which is what Jesus does and a little bit like what Stephen does too whilst he's being stoned to death by the Pharisees and the people of Jerusalem in acts We read, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he said this, he fell asleep. See, Stephen had been a witness to the death of Jesus on the cross and heard all the words that he said on the cross. And Stephen had wanted to be like his saviour. This brings us, of course, to the dying words of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Could there be a stronger statement anywhere to show the merciful heart of Jesus our God? The next words that we hear in Luke are the response to the thief sitting next to him on the cross. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. This thief had lived his life in opposition to the Lord and had in the very last minute, the very last minute of his life, repented and asked for forgiveness, and Jesus welcomes him and promises him eternal life in paradise that very same day. This reminds me of the opening sentence we also had in Isaiah 14. 40, it says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isn't that what Jesus is doing? He is on the cross suffering and dying, and he gives comfort to others. Mind you, more than anything, it also shows how focused Jesus is on his people and not of himself. It eloquently displays the heart of Jesus as God and the mercy that he pours out on his people, even in his dearest time of need, particularly here. Considering his calling out to the Father at a later point in Mark 15, 34, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That statement from Jesus on the cross, one of those last words that the theologians so speak about, and calling out to the Father is quite possibly the most shattering of all. It reveals to you and I more than any other what was really happening on that cross at that time. Teaches us the deep truth we need to understand of the nature of the atonement for sin that we can be sure of our salvation. It is all in that one sentence. There never was, nor will there ever be another like Jesus. And the words in Isaiah 40.25 spell that out, and we need to understand that. It says, to whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. There is no comparative. And if we were to study the words Jesus uttered from the cross, we could even extract some duties that is left there for us, contained within all those words that he says on the cross, Almost, he repeats the teaching of the Beatitudes whilst on the cross. There are things we need to do. We are to forgive our enemies. You must have faith in Christ. You should honor your parents. You are highly value the word of God. You should cling to God in your darkest hour when the things are the worst. You are to persevere and finish the purpose which he gave you for your life when he called you, and you must be able to yield all things, even life itself. You must yield to God at his bidding. And behind all of this, it may be even more important to consider what they teach us about the nature and in the work of Christ. All this teaches you and I that Jesus died to save us From our sins. He saved you from your sins, plain and simple. This is the purpose why Jesus was born and why he lived here and came to earth. It also teaches us that for as long as you are alive, it is never too late to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus as your Savior. Well, the thief that was dying next to him will attest to that truth. When you see him in paradise on that day, he will also tell you exactly that truth. That is the time, that is the day the thief passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, all in one day. And when we read verse 28 in Isaiah 40, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And we do, don't we? We struggle, struggle to understand the fullness of his heart. It highlights how little we indeed comprehend the love and the mercy that God's pouring out on us. And then when we read and pray of Jesus from the cross, in the midst of his greatest suffering, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then we could ask the question, who is he praying for? Did God really hear this prayer? Of course he did. But how many people responded to God as a result of the possibly hearing and seeing all that happened on that cross, (coughs) all the things Jesus was saying? You and I pray, we pray for salvation for friends and family that we know are not in the Lord, and yet we may never know. Well, at least we won't know until we too are in heaven and meet them there. What we can be sure of is this prayer shows us clearly the heart of Jesus as God and his deep love for the people that the Father has given him. One encouragement we can also take with us from all this is the fact that there is no one on earth, either now or any other time, who is too far gone in sin or too hard for Jesus to save. Jesus cares for all whom the Father has given him and offers them forgiveness for their sins on the cross. We should furthermore understand from this prayer on the cross, not only was this a prayer for the forgiveness It was a prayer for the forgiveness at an enormous cost. The high price is such for the very reason that God is God. He's holy and he is just ruler of the universe and justice always comes at a great cost. Justice means things must be set right. That It means that sin must be punished and evil must be judged. Consider all the people involved with the unjust trial and the execution of Jesus. We may even wonder how is it that God did not simply strike him down right there and right then. We might even even sit here today and ask questions like, why did Jesus restore Peter after having rejected and disowned Jesus three times? during the trial period, three times. But if we ask those sort of questions about Peter, well, then we also need to ask questions like, why me, Lord? Why me? And then if we remember, this is all about him. It's about Jesus. It's about the Father. It's about the Holy Spirit, and it's about the heart of God. It isn't about you or me. You and I are who we are. As sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, and there's nothing you can do to change that. This is why you and I need Jesus. And we need Jesus to be gracious. We need him to be merciful. And we need him to have a loving and a forgiving heart. This is not much of all this that is going to be easy for us, is there? Jesus never promised you and I to have an easy life either. In factually, he promised you that you will likely suffer if you are his disciple and follow him. The world will not like it. But then we can also read a lot of passages that give us great encouragement and even great courage, just as verse 31 in Isaiah speaks of. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I'm sure you, like me, have had times in your walk with him when you get thoughts like Elijah had. Elijah, after his great victory over the prophets, He had conquered 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah. But God had given him this great victory, and he comes down off Mount Carmel and gets scared of the queen, and he runs away and hides, and he tells God, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So you and I have also witnessed great miracles in our lives, as just as Elijah did. How about the time that you received the Holy Spirit that woke you from your darkness to understanding? And understanding what we read in the Bible and come into a conclusion that Jesus died for you to pay for your sins. How is that for a miracle? How about being placed in a group of loving brothers and sisters to have warm fellowship and care when we need it the most? Surely you are not sitting anywhere near there and thinking you have done so much good in your life that you actually deserve all that. Because you don't. (laughs) I don't. It is what John writes in chapter 1, verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. It is all from God. After everything the Lord has done in and with my life, I still get times when I feel absolutely inadequate and a failure, not having done what is right in the eyes of him who died for me. We simply need to let go and let him. Can we even believe and trust in all that we read and all that we know? Well, of course we can. It isn't a Bible. It is God's word. All we need to do is, as we walk with him, is to do what the Bible teaches us. In 1 Thessalonians, it gives us some simple things to do. We get some practicalities into your Christian walk. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be thankful. That's a good thing. And as we come before him each day in thankfulness, he will take our worries and our concerns on him. In Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything be prayerful and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's some practicality stuff for you. Today's message is all about the heart of God, in case you missed it. A few verses confirms this with greater clarity than what Paul has written in Romans 5.8. He really got it. God demonstrates his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. Can't be clearer than that. The truth is the heart of Christianity. More than that, in fact, the prayer of Jesus asking the Father to forgive his enemies and the Father sending his one and only son to die for our sins whilst we were still sinners. Now that, that is the heart of God on full display in your life. What a God. What a saviour we have. In Numbers we read, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we're going to be talking about that peace next week. The peace that came off the cross. Let us pray. Our Lord, we come before you to thank you. Thank you for the wonderful heart that you have, that you are willing to share with us, that you pour out your love on us undeservedly, that you guide us by your Holy Spirit that lives in us, that we come to understand who we are, that we may change, that we may respond in a way that truly honors your name, that we may truly worship you with our lives.
0: This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.